You're listening to Minute Condition with Brad Slater, a sports card podcast for the collector by the collector. Hello and welcome to another edition of Mint Condition. I am your host, Brad Slater. Sorry for leaving you hanging there for a couple weeks again. I know I lied. I said I wouldn't do that again, but you know, life happens. Gotta move. Purchased my first house. So I gotta pack up my cards. Gotta move it all. It's gonna be fun. Looking forward to it. Jam-packed episode this week on Mint Condition. Going to be speaking to Ken Reed from Rogers Sportsnet. He's going to let me know all about the new eBay authenticity guarantee, how it works. Great program, by the way. I've used it. So we're going to talk to Ken. Also, Wayne Wagner. He owns the longest running sports card store in the city of Edmonton, Wayne's Sports Cards. Going to talk to Wayne about how he got started collecting, opening the shop, Connor Bedard, And just some great stories about collecting cards. And I'm going to touch on a few emails that I've gotten. I know I've been uh, getting bombarded with what is the best place to buy and sell cards. So I'm going to go over that. And now a very happy, proud moment for myself here on Mint Condition. I'd like to announce and welcome my first sponsor on board, Skyhawk Auctions. They currently have over 1,100 lots posted of the hottest cards. They have all the four major sports covered, but that's not all. They got Pokemon, boxing, soccer. So head over to skyhawkauctions.highbid.com and get yourself some mint cards today. Now on the web address, it's skyhawkauctions.high, that's H-I-B-I-D.com. Skyhawkauctions.highbid.com. I was on there today. I picked myself up some young guns. So they're on the way. So I'm really looking forward to that. So make sure you check them out. And once again, thank you very much, Skyhawk Auctions, for jumping on board. And as we do every week on Mint Condition, we kick the show off with the big guest of the week. And that man is Ken Reed. Back on the show for his second visit, my good friend Ken Reed. Ken, how are you, man? Good, Brad. Am I the first uh, repeat guest? You are, you are, and I, I do. Yeah, man, like, come on, this thing's taking yeah. off. I have my first ever sponsor this week too. Like, look at me, man. Good for you, buddy. Yeah, that's man. awesome. So you got a sponsor, and I'm, I'll be like Marv Albert to your Letterman, right? I'll come on wherever you need me, buddy. Skyhawk Auctions out in uh, Mississauga, I believe, uh, have some card lots up, and just wanted a couple of mentions and some love. So oh, they're on board. So there you go. Awesome. Thank you, Skyhawk Auctions. Way to go. So now I got to ask you, you're on board uh, with the authenticity program that's new to eBay in Canada with cards. It's been in the States for a while. Now, I Mm -hmm. wanted to have you on um, just because I enjoy using this program because I know then the card I'm buying is going to be legit, real, and authentic. Um, Mm -hmm. Before you answer, there's been a lot of stuff in social media lately I've read with trimming and, and people somehow getting away with it from cards that were graded a while ago. So maybe explain to our my listeners uh, what the eBay authenticity guarantee is all about. Sure, yeah, the trimming thing kind of makes me chuckle because as someone who's been around the hobby for a long time, trimming's always been around. I remember buying a Kevin McReynolds rookie card from a shop in Halifax at 84 Flare. And me and my guys, my buddies were like, oh, that's so trimmed, and we'd, we'd still call the dealer the trimmer. We still joke about the guy. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, the trimming thing was nothing new to me. But, uh, yeah, the eBay authenticity program, it's pretty simple. When you buy a raw, ungraded card now for $250 or more in Canada, the card is shipped from the seller to eBay. Uh, They have experts from CSG look it over. They're going to check it for authenticity and check it that it is in the condition as described by the seller. So if it is trimmed or something, they will pick up on that. And then it will be sent to you, and you'll get it. It comes in a nice little case with the eBay authenticity guarantee. Now, it's not slab, so if people are into raw cards, that's good. I'm more of a raw guy myself. So, you know, the hobby Brad's built on trust and it's just a, it's just a good way to put a little more uh, relaxation into the buyer and perhaps the seller too with the eBay authenticity program. So it's just uh, it's just a little assurance that what you're getting is the real deal. And uh, as we know, like, I mean, the Gretzky rookie was counterfeited years ago. Yep. Uh, so was the Brett Hall rookie. Michael Jordan. We're hearing about that. Michael Jordan. So, this is just to give the buyer and the seller just a little bit of, oh, everything's going to be all right, right? A little, uh, little something like that. So it's for 
for ungraded cards at $250 or more. Now, I look at this program, and from what I've seen and, and used, I have a card coming to me currently in the program right now, so I'm very excited for this moment I'm going to mention. I like when yeah. you buy a new car, and they present it to you, and it's all nicely done up. Now, I've seen yeah. pictures that when these cards arrive, they come in like a nice blue case, holder, yeah. eBay signature all over it, and it looks really clean, eh? It looks clean. It's nice to display. I got, I, myself, I got a Messier Rookie through oh, nice. it, and I got a 54-55 top saw chuck that I simply love. And, yeah, they display really nice. They look good in the old man room or person room, whatever you want to call it these days. And yep. Displays well, looks crisp. I love when things are crisp in the hobby. Mm -hmm. So the, the cases have a nice crisp look to them. Um, yeah, you won't be disappointed when you get it. And again, I think the, mo it, the, the card will have a, and the card saver will have a hologram on it, uh, mentioning, you know, signifying that it went through the eBay authenticity program. So I think it's just a good way to just build more trust and just let people breathe a little easier because, you know, buying a card when you, when you can't hold it in your hand. You know, you're putting a lot of trust out there. So this is yep. just a way to to kind of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to, I don't say level the playing field, but just a way to just make you relax as a buyer or seller. And, I and you know, the condition check is key too, right? Because I know I've bought a card in the past. I'm like, eh, I don't think this is quite BG to X, but so that'll be taken care of as well. Now, when you got your cards in the mail, Ken, did you get any of the, the two that you purchased through the program? Were any of them through the United States or were they uh, both from Canada? Mine were both from Canada. Yeah, they were both from Canada. Okay, now I know some listeners are going to have some questions about the shipping time and can it be added time. Now, to give you an example, I purchased a card through the program on May 28th, and it is mm -hmm. set to arrive tomorrow. So that's okay. still, you know, 17 days. Where is it? If I purchased it from someone not in the program, I'm still looking at the same time. So to answer anyone's questions out there, it didn't add a bunch of time just to go through this program too. So there's another bonus. Right. Right, doesn't add a ton of time, and we know when you send it to some grading carding, grading companies, it's a lot of time. The weights are epic, but yeah, so far so good. My wait times were basically nothing. Uh, it was dealt with quickly. I, I'd say ten days or so. So I was I was pretty pleased with it. So what have you been collecting lately? Have you got your hands on anything nice lately? Yeah, um, I guess the, the last card I got, I just got it from eBay, was uh, twenty three twenty four. Stanton Jackson card and what he you know me and my little always proud to be from the Maritimes Nova Scotia thing yep. he was one of the first Nova Scotians to ever play in the NHL so I'd been looking for that for a long time I guess my PC would be Nova Scotia born NHL players that'd be one part of it so it was it's a nice clean crisp card that's over 100 years old and I was I was really you know I was doing the old auction thing keeping an eye on it and it's funny you, you called right now I was just sorting a bunch of cards downstairs trying to get Trying to get like I'm I'm a disorganized collector and I kind of like too. that. It yeah. adds a little anarchy to it. Like I'm I'm happy when I find something I forgot I had, but oh, I'm trying to get my cards, you know, kind of sorted. Like I just kind of discovered that I've got about 27 Bernie Federico rookies, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I could probably throw a couple of those up on eBay. So I'm trying to get them sorted so I can kind of stack my store because I don't have anything in it right now. See, I was in the same way, and then I purchased a label maker, and that changed everything because I just wanted to really? print, I just wanted to print labels. It was just fun. So I bought label maker I bought the cards uh, for my sliders to set up the teams and everything, and then I would just print uh, all 32 team names, and then I'd just sit there with the game on and make all my team cards and then set, sort everything in my 1,600 boxes that I needed that day. So Yeah, it's amazing how many people sort through cards while they're watching a game. Like, so many people I talk to. I, I watch you and sword cards, man. Card. I'm watching oh, you and I'm sword cards. So there you go. The dream, the dream. See, that's my that's my perfect world. That's my perfect combination: hockey and hockey cards at the same time. Now you went to the Toronto Expo. What were your view? Yeah. Uh, what was your views on that? And and did you have fun? And did you pick anything up there? Yeah, it was nuts. Uh, it was the busiest one I've ever been to. And from what I hear, it's the largest tenants they ever had. It was uh, it was crazy. The Saturday I was there, I took my kids and and. The thing about the expo that makes it such a cool show is the aisles are really wide. You were like, it was packed. Like there was no room. And, you know, I remember going there 10 years ago and some Saturdays I'd be like, geez, man, what's going on? There's, there's nobody in here. So this was packed. Uh, it's changed in the last few years. Uh, it's a lot more slick. Like I, like I said, I'm, the dealers look slick now, you know, everything's mm -hmm. in uh, a lot of stuff's graded now. Not everything's graded, but a lot of stuff's graded. 
the, the new modern dealer is very much, uh, it's not comic book guy from the Simpsons anymore. Nope. Uh, there's still a lot of old school dealers there and the old school dealers are my favorite. Me too. Um, as you know, I'm more, I'm more of a vintage guy, but, uh, it's slick. The show is slick. The corporate setups are quite amazing. And I mean, geez, it's, it's impressive when you go there. The autograph pavilion is over in a different room now with a ton of dealers around it as well, which is impressive. So, uh, I don't know how Mr. Steve Menzi handles it, but business is booming for the sports card expo. And geez, well, I, you know what? I didn't pick up a ton of stuff. Like I, my kids came with me, so I brought him a, a new box of Topps baseball. He likes that, you know, but, uh, we picked up a few things here and there. Um, but, but nothing that jumps out to me, but, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty awesome show. And when I go to the expo, people always ask me, what are you looking for? And I'm like, whatever tickles my fancy, oh, you know, yeah. and that's why I'll usually buy something. If I see, Oh, my biggest pickup, what am I thinking? Uh, for years, I've been looking for a nice Eddie Shack rookie. Cause I wrote a book with Eddie okay. and I never had an Eddie Shack rookie. And yeah, I found one and it was like, often I'll see an ungraded Eddie and it's not that great. And they want like 250 bucks for it. This was a PSA five and I got it for 200. I was really pleased. The guys gave me a nice deal on it. And it was, uh, just a nice, clean-looking card, so that was my favorite pickup from the Expo. What's he doing on the card? Is he making a save? Is Is he got the helmet off, drinking some water? What's going on? Eddie Shack, no, he's just kind of standing there looking cool. You know, it's uh, the 59, so a lot of the 59s are just, like, shots of the guys from the belt up. So Eddie's just kind of kind of hanging out, you know, getting ready, getting ready to conquer the world as a young New York Ranger, where he hated his coach, you know, before he was traded to Toronto, and he, and he became the legend. I mean, on... On his uh, on his rookie card, he's just Ed Shack. That was before he became Eddie Shack, you know, before think, it all took off. Do you think Alexis Lafreniere can do the exact same thing and turn hate on his coach and Peter Laviolette Boy. get traded to Montreal and do the same thing? Boy, maybe. I don't know. It's it's funny, you know. Some young guys need a change of scenery. See Jack Eichel, right? Oh. And uh, if you told me a few years ago that Jack Eichel was going to be this Jack Eichel, I would have said no. So Laviolette has a lot of time left. But he's behind a lot of offensive firepower on that team, right? I mean, that's a tough nut to crack if you're on that team to be a top top minutes guy when you get all that talent in front of you. And, man, if they thought Turk was hard, and Laviolette's pretty old school as well, so I don't know what's going to go down there with the Rangers. But uh, it's hockey's funny, you know. Not everybody's the overnight McDavid-Crosby sensation. McKinnon took a while, yep. you know, to really find out who he was. So. I guess if you got a stack of Lafreniere cards, you better hope the same holds true. But I think the hobby's going to go insane this fall with uh, Bedard coming along. So maybe maybe Lafreniere prices will go down a little bit because of that. People will focus on Bedard so much. So maybe if you're a true believer in Alexi Lafreniere, this fall might be a good time to buy. I'm hoping something happens at the draft or uh, sometime in free agency. Maybe they make a deal. But uh, You want him out of there? I want him out of there. I think, you know... Your first line, your number first overall pick, and your third line center. Like, yeah, oh man, yeah, like that, he would be I, a second line at least. I think on twenty five other teams, if not number one on at least five teams. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. The Rangers are so loaded up front. I, man, I just want a French Canadian kid to come on and be a big Montreal Canadiens star. But maybe you never know, right? Like, I mean, uh, Saint Louis, he was a Ranger, so maybe he can. Sweet yep. talk management there, and the Habs can get him. And don't don't say that I said he's getting traded to Montreal. I'm just, just finishing my tweet now. Ken Reed says, "There you go, there you go." Yeah, the non-insider, me. You think uh, Bedard to Chicago is good for the hobby? I think it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, me yeah too. those patches time. are going to be amazing, eh? Oh yeah, I was hoping he'd go to Montreal. Yeah. like I think, you know, but yeah, Chicago, Bedard, perfect. I mean, like, it's a hell of a lot better than Anaheim. So I think it's going to be great for the hobby and like Chicago quickest rebuild ever, eh? Oh, Boom, Bedard done. You know, <laughs> so that, it's going to be interesting to see who plays with them. But I, I, a kid from every everything from scouts, I, I like guys I talk to at work that are in the know and stuff. I read to like he, he already has a shot that would be one of the best shots in the NHL. So that'll be cool to watch. I had no idea that his body was in the shape that it was until I saw him Holy at the combine. Smokes, those, those arms, I know. Holy smokes! I know. And then as we're, we're talking hockey players and bodies, someone had posted a picture of Connor on summer vacation yesterday and just the size of his thighs were like, holy smokes. Yeah, yeah. the legs on the guys are the, the legs on the guys are what amazed me. 
you know, it's, uh, everyone's built in the core now, right? It's totally, totally different. So were you were you impressed at all so far with the Blue Jays this season, or are you kind of up in arms? Because I follow your tweets, and, and you know, yeah. just Alec Manoa, just everyone went into the season thinking, you know, okay, they got eliminated by the Mariners. They're coming back stronger, you know. Your Mariners. My Mariners. Yeah, Kiermaier, yeah. they add uh, Dalton Varsho. Like, they add players. But they lose guys like Tay Oscar and then um, what's his name? Lurel uh, uh, down Curiel. in uh, Arizona yeah. with Kyle Lewis lighting it up. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. It just seems like it. Not to, not to put Oiler fan down, but it just seems Oilers and Blue Jays have a lot in common when it comes to like oh. expectations and then when they deliver. I like that comparison. But they can't yeah. turn it on. They can't win like fourteen no. games in a row. And, you know, it's just yeah, it's very <sighs> underwhelming so far. The pitching. The starters, aside from Manoa, have been fantastic. Uh, bullpen's a little taxed, obviously. Manoa was put them to work, and Bassett put them to work last night, but that's the exception for Bassett, not the rule. Um, Guerrero's been a disappointment. He hasn't hit a home run yet at home this season. That is stunning to me. We're halfway through June. That is a stunning statistic. Um, you got to wonder if 2021 Guerrero was kind of the outlier and not the norm. Um, but they have a good team. They should they should be able to crack the playoffs. I don't think they're going to win their division. What with what Tampa's done, no. But uh, they should be able to make the playoffs. And once you're in there, it's baseball, right? So yep. who knows? And with but, uh, how um, would you handle Manoa? Just let him go down, let him well, get his confidence my, back up. My theory on Manoa, and I mean this in the most respectful way, uh, last year he took about twenty point seven seconds between pitches. And Alex is a big kid, right? Oh, I got you're a you. big you guy. And that's that's what makes him successful. He's a big, powerful guy. When you're bigger, you need more time to recover. So he needed 20.7 seconds on average between pitches last year to recover. This year, you chuck in a pitch clock. That means he has to get down to 15 seconds. Yeah. He's not a small kid. That time to recover, that's going to wear on you. Fatigue. And then it's going to screw with your brain. And then it all just, it just piled up. I think the line from him at spring training next year, I can pretty much guarantee it. He's going to come back and say, look, I'm in the best shape of my career. Guarantee that'll be the yeah. line next year. Uh, I think it if, needs to be he, the line next year. It, exactly. It needs to be the line if he's going to be successful. And it's, it's so sad to watch because he's such a quality guy. And the, the quote that, that just crushed Ivanka and I, we were doing the show and we threw to Manoa after his last start. And someone asked him, what's the toughest part about this? And he said, letting down my teammates. And I thought, oh, man, mm-hmm. is that not the kind of guy you want on your team? So I hope nothing for the best for him. But it's hard, man. When, when, you're, when you're a big, big power pitcher and you're one of the slower workers in the game, that pitch clock, man, that'll, that'll wear on you. It's hard physically. To, like, you throw a ball as hard as you can. That's tough. And then to do it again in 15 seconds when you're used to doing it in 20, that's not easy. So I think that's, that's what happened. And it started with that. And then, you know. Um, Meanwhile, he's got a guy on first. Area. He's got Pitchcom going off. He's sweating. Right. He's looking ahead. He's got the ump. He's got right. the, the batter's not looking at him. When's the batter supposed to look at him? Is right. it eight seconds? You over, yeah, you overthink right. it. Yeah. You overthink it, then you're overcompensating. And then it all just, it was like a snowball. It started with, uh, with what I would say is conditioning. And uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way because his conditioning worked for him last year. But yep. when the pitch clock, it changed what was demanded of him physically, nope. which is a, a hell of a thing to try to try to try to change when you've been you've been pitching one way your entire life in, in in by being the person you are. And I think this pitch clock just like it's like you got to be a, a different person if you're if you're a bigger guy, which is not easy. Mint Condition Podcast, talking sports cards and sports with my buddy Ken Reed. Ken, I'm going to end on a fun off-the-record uh, note this week. We're going to go music. So cool, let's do it. I want to know, um, because my wife needs to go to Taylor Swift, and I'm trying to make it happen, and I might be selling some cards because you've probably seen the prices. Oh, my God. By the way, <laughs> can I just say, nobody loves live music more than me, and I just oh, okay. don't go anymore. No. I refuse to pay the prices. I absolutely refuse to. Refuse to. I'm not doing it. Okay, let's go back. What were uh, what was the first show that you've ever se- that you first concert you ever seen? And then take us to yep. some of your your favorites. First concert ever, Parley Beach outside of Moncton, New Brunswick. Brian Adams with <sighs> Extreme, Steve Miller, Sloan, and Sash Jordan. How do you like them apples? 
Sloan. What what year of Sloan? 94? 92. It was before oh, they came out. Wow. They okay. were the first band to open. And they said, this band is just side with Giffen, Giffen, and they're going to be the biggest thing ever. Sloan came out. And that was, yeah, so it went Sloan, Fast Jordan, then Extreme, then Steve Miller, and then Brian Adams. It was awesome. And I bet you it was like seven, probably 50 bucks, if that. Now, God, I looked at Elton John when he came here to Toronto. Like the the ultimate nosebleed was four hundred bucks. I'm like, that's insane. So, as a consumer, Brad, I got to take the stand and say, just I'm not doing it anymore. I paid uh, one twenty four for Tool last week for one ticket, which I didn't think was too yeah, bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, that's not too bad. But but then you look at yeah, Nickelback, that, and it's that, like two hundred and fifty dollars to see Nickelback in Edmonton, but it's uh, yeah, I'm not uh, doing sixty one dollars yeah. to see them in Saskatoon. Yeah, exactly. I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not. Yeah, like I'll if I see a band I like and it's it, what I deem is a fair price, cool. But you know, and I've honestly, I mean, I like. I always famous famously say if it's after 1991, I don't like it. Like I, I, yeah. I hated Nirvana, right? Because they destroyed hair metal, man. And I'm a, I'm a metal guy, so you know. I'm going uh, to Skid Row yeah, for the first time. I'm going to Skid Row. It's gonna. Yeah, be you brand. are. Yep. Yeah, you are. 18 and life, buddy. For Guns and Roses. That's I saw. I saw Sebastian Bach over for Guns and Roses. Now you know you're not going to see Sebastian Bach when you see Skid Row, right? He's not with them anymore. No, no, I'm not. Yeah, man. Who else have you seen record. over over the years? Have you seen that stood out for you? Oh my God, jeez, um, so many. I've uh, seen some great Cup classic ones too, like a Conline Crush, yeah. God, oh, yeah. like Trouble Charger, yeah. Eve Six. You think back to like the early '90s with like the Edge Fest and Somersault it's- tours. See, I'm earlier than that. I'm like uh, Metallica, Guns, Crew, Kiss, Hip. Hey, what did April you think of that uh, Motley Crue doc on uh, on Netflix? There, what did you think of that? You you mean the movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I loved it. The I Dirt. It yeah, awesome. I read the Dirt. I, I read the Dirt years ago. <laughs> if I was Tommy and them, I wouldn't want my kids seeing scene one. But yeah, that was no, awesome. no, no. That the Aussie scene got me, man. <laughs> yeah, the Aussie scene was great. That that was cool in the book too. But yeah, I thought the book was just genius because it told their story, but from the perspective of all four guys, right? Which they showed in the movie as well. One guy's truth isn't necessarily the other guy's truth. So I thought that was kind of cool. But uh, yeah, I mean, Def Leppard always puts on a good show. But yeah, yeah, pretty much the only band I that I didn't get to see that I really wanted to see, and I can't anymore because they're not around, is the, oh, the Allman Brothers band, Greg Allman passed. Oh. And, Midnight, Midnight Rider, man. I could listen to yeah. Midnight Rider driving in the rain at like 10 o'clock yeah. at night, sunsetting. Oh. Yeah. So if I could go back in time and see one band that I didn't see, it would be the Allman Brothers band. Mine would be I, The I, Doors I always... or uh, Beastie yeah. Boys? Oh, yeah. I never saw The Beastie Boys. Yeah, but Beastie uh, Boys. yeah, an incoherent, uh, incoherent Jim Morrison. Who doesn't want to see that, right? I love that movie, too. Out of all the other movies. Val like, Kilmer. Oh, yeah, that was, that was well done, yeah. I thought. Yeah, that was absolutely beautiful. But yeah, I've seen lots of great concerts over the years, but not so many lately, obviously because of the bit, the COVID. And yeah. uh, then like even just even just like uh, down here in, in, in the center of the universe, Toronto, at the, the amphitheater, it used to be awesome. You could get lawn seats for like 25 bucks to any concert. Now they're like 100 and something. And I'm like, no. Like, no. As a consumer, buddy, I have to say no, and that is because I get why bands do it. Like they, they can't make money selling records anymore, so they got to make yeah. their money somewhere. But you know, I get it. I could talk to you all day, my friend, but I'm going to end you with this. Do you have any tickets that you've collected that you might send in for grading? I, I've seen that really pick yeah. up popularity lately. I know Darren Ravel has been posting a lot. I was but... just going to say we can thank Darren Ravel for that. Yeah. I don't at the expo. I showed it off on Instagram. I, I saw a guy. He had a signed uh, game eight deck from the cemetery, signed by Paul Henderson. Uh, I have a family friend that has a game eight ticket. Um, I might have to inquire as to what they want for it one day. That would be. But good. no, I was. I don't have any famous ticket stubs. I guess the most famous ticket stub I have is from uh, a date. My a date I went on with my then girlfriend who's my now wife and it was a clay buckle no hitter at Fenway Park so there you go that's my most famous ticket stuff but uh, so you got that ticket yeah. stuff. the ticket stuff I got is from the the first concert that I ever took my wife to when I was working at 91.7 The Bounce I had to take her out I picked her up in the station Escalade and we went oh, you to, were stud we went to Red's nightclub which you're very familiar with 
And yeah. uh, I saw Jewel's Santana. You felt like a big deal. Um, yeah, and you know what stinks now? When you go to a game, there's no stub. Sucks, man. Yeah. But you can still request them, but they charge you. I think it's $50 on top of your season tickets if you want stubs. Yeah, so I was at a Blue Jays game. Uh, well, I've been to a few this year, but I asked guest services, can you print stubs? And nope. I'm like, oh, awesome. Because I'm a ticket stub guy. But uh, Connor Bedard's yeah, first I, game in Toronto. You're going to yeah, want that ticket who stub. Want to have that, who doesn't want to have that ticket stub? But now it's on your silly phone. Ken, my friend, there thank you, you so much for joining me. And again, the uh, the eBay Authenticity Program is available for everyone who purchases a card over $250 on eBay. And yeah, man, I think it's a great program. And I would thank you for uh, spreading the awareness with my listeners. Brad, thanks. Collect what you love, everybody. Whether it's junk wax or million-dollar cards, do it for yourself. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, my friend. You take care. Visit us at MyCardsAreMint.com. Follow us on Twitter at MyCardsAreMint. Welcome back to Mint Condition. I am your host, Brad Slater, and I told you at the start of the show, I was going to go over some of the best places that I use to buy my cards besides your card shop. I know that's one of the most frequent email questions that I have been getting lately. Uh, I believe Christopher Lucas asked me, uh, just what are the best, safest platforms out there to to purchase cards on? Um, There's a lot. Um, They all mostly are all safe. It's just... There's scammers out there, so you just always have to be careful. Um, Always ask for vouchers, but we'll get into all that. So right now, where I purchase my cards is mainly on eBay, where you're protected by eBay and the new uh, authenticity program, which we we talked about. So eBay is one. Facebook, um, just go on Facebook and, and go to the top search bar and type in either the card you collect like I collect Julio Rodriguez. So I would search Julio Rodriguez uh, sports card page and you'll find two or three pages and just look at the ones with the most um, people on the page, the ones that are the most active and join them and then just kind of stay in the weeds for a week or so. And by that, I mean, just read and watch and see what, you know, who's doing what and learn, learn who's posting a lot, learn the people that have been selling a lot. So, you know, the people that you want to be dealing with and then always ask questions. So, um, say I was going to buy a card from Mike Johnson. I would go to Facebook and I would type in Mike Johnson and post or cards and try and find other posts by Mike Johnson and then go to the comments and read, you know, delivered. Um, I vouch for Mike. Mike's a good guy. Mike's great. No problems with Mike. Um, And then if you can't, in the group, just post a message. Hey, my name's Brad. I'm looking at making a deal with Mike Johnson. Um, Can someone post a vouch for him and saying, you know what? Mike Johnson is a real person. He's not going to rip me off and he's going to send the card. So they're not going to write it like that, obviously. But you know what I mean? And and they understand what you're asking. So that's another method that you can do to cover yourself. Um, PayPal, you can always send with goods and services. And the other way, uh, I believe, is called... I can't think of it right now. But you can protect yourself that way as well. I believe it's friends and family and goods and services. Uh, Friends and family, you're just sending them money. Goods and services, I believe, you're protected under the PayPal account as well, where they have to attack tracking and show that the card arrived or the item arrived. So... You can protect yourself by sending money through PayPal. I'm always leery of sending money through electronic e-transfer from my bank account because you aren't protected. Unless it's someone you know or you can get a lot of vouchers from people, I would avoid that one. Especially if you come across somebody that's like really eager to to sell you a card that, you know, is valued at $100 and they're trying to sell it to you for 40 bucks something isn't right there. So definitely do your homework on that. And if you have any questions, you can also send me a question too. Uh, I'll always look into stuff and see if I can help you out too or point you in the direction of a card you're looking for. Uh, My cards are mint at gmail.com. So we've gone over Facebook, eBay, and the last one that I'm currently using is Twitter. Um, I'll just use Twitter because you can search in the top bar just like on facebook i can just type in um connor mcdavid pc or connor mcdavid 
and people on Twitter in their bio will post who they per personally collect their PC. So easily you can track and scroll through people and, and see. And if they have the direct message open, you can message these people and be like, hey, I see you have this card posted. Are you open to a trade? Are you open to selling? Um, let them know if you're in Canada. Will they ship to you? If you're in the United States, will they ship to you? Um, so all those types of things you can ask. And the same thing applies to Twitter that, that you did on Facebook. You're going to do your research. You're going to go through that person's page. Make sure they didn't just sign up to Twitter and they have no followers or, or, you know, no sales or nothing. Just use your common sense. And if you have a bad feeling, chances are that card's out there somewhere else. So don't sweat it. Move on and, uh, you know, just collect what makes you happy and, and just be safe that way. Um, I think between Facebook, Twitter... And eBay, that should give you a lot, uh, a lot to go on. And now with the summer, garage sales, uh, hot pot for carts. Always go to garage sales and, and go up and see what people have because you never know what people are getting rid of or what people might not know that they're getting rid of. Uh, I'm sure all of you have heard some amazing stories from garage sales. So there's another little one there. Um, and then again, if you have any other questions, my cards are mint at gmail.com and I will answer them. So I hope that helps you out, uh, Christopher. I hope it helps you get some cards, more cards in your collection safely. And again, just have fun, everybody. You're listening to Mint Condition with Brad Slater. Back here on Mint Condition, and what I find that I love in every city is they have their own special card shop. Now, the longest-running card shop in Edmonton is Wayne Sports Cards. I believe it's been open over 30 years, and I'm very excited to be joined this week on Mint Condition by Wayne Wagner, the owner and operator of Wayne Sports Cards. Wayne, good morning. Good morning. I'm excited, man. So when did you kind of fall in love with sports cards? I'm guessing it started at a really early age. Started at a very early age. Uh, you know, I think I was four years old and, uh, you know, kind of one of those funny stories. I think, um, you know, everybody has their stories in their past, how, you know, something got started, whether it's their business, whether it's the passion for playing sports. For me, I was four years old, and I, and I still remember it kind of vividly. Uh, my dad, who had cards at the time, um, said, son, take a look at these. And he handed me this whole box of cards that he had. And I basically grabbed the cards, looked at the cards, flipped through them, and grabbed the box and ran back to my room. And I think at that point, my dad knew he was never going to see those cards again. <laughs> uh, and that was kind of the start of, of me going, wow, this is actually kind of cool, seeing these players that I'm watching on TV on playing cards. What were those cards? Uh, they were 19, I can't remember the year. I think it was 72, 73, 73, 74. They were you know, obviously Opeachy hockey cards. Um, but I remember one of the first cards I saw was, I was a Montreal Canadian fan at the time because dad was. Um, and I remember flipping and I was starting to see a Ken Dryden card and I see oh, a nice. Guy Lafleur card. I'm like, no way. And it was just like instantaneous. Like, this is so cool. So from there, did your hobby grow into collecting Montreal Canadian players or did you kind of go off branch into different sports or did you kind of just like to collect what your dad collected? You know, it just became, it was, I think it's always been in, in the family. I, I remember my, my grandparents were kind of the same way. My grandfather collected medals and guns and everything from, from the wars. And I think just the collecting bug, once it's in you, it's always there. Yeah. And, you know, I know once I grabbed those cards, um, you know, the collecting started and I don't know if I just completely gravitated toward Montreal. It was just kind of fun trying to finish the set, trying to build the set and, and do that. Uh, and immediately, you know, obviously back then it was one set or two sets. You had Opeachy and Tops, but obviously Tops being U.S., you only had the Opeachy cards. Um, once I finished that set, I'm like, OK, what do I do now? Yeah. And then you start gravitating to all of the other stuff. You know, obviously there was wacky packages and there was, uh, you know, movie cards. So, you know, I started gravitating to that just to keep the collecting going. Uh, and I quickly moved to comics as, uh, you know, again, something else that came out on a monthly basis. Uh, you know, at the age of five, six, I started collecting comics as well. So as I said, once you get that collecting bug, it's usually, it, it's there, it's, it's in you. Is there a, a card that you hold special to you and your dad that you still have in your collection uh, that you guys maybe opened or got together way back? Um, is there is there one card that stands out? Even doesn't have to be like a, a big name player because I'm sure there's an obscure card too. But is there one that stands out, Wayne? 
Well, there is. Yeah. And, and, you know, this isn't because everybody says the same thing. I remember when I got my first Gretzky card. I remember when I got my first Crosby card. I remember when I got my first McDavid card. It honestly was a Gretzky card. Um, back in the day, uh, there was a wholesale company that uh, sold full boxes of hockey cards. I didn't have to go to 7-Elevens or whatever it was. I, there was a wholesale place that uh, my dad actually was a part of with the company. So he'd go in there to work and I'd you know, accompany him for the three or four hours he went in there. And I would buy a box of cards. So I went in there in 7980, and I remember vividly, he said, if you help me out, I'll get you a box of cards. Nice. And that was a 7980 year. So I helped my dad out and did some work for him, and he bought that box of cards, which at the time, I believe it was 1175 for the <laughs> box of Opeachy cards, I think. Um, but bought, bought that box and opened it up. And at that time, I'd started to become an Edison Oiler fan, obviously watching the Oilers in the WHA and I'd started flipping where, you know, I, you know, got kind of grew tired of the Montreal Canadiens. Dad did too. We'd moved back to Edmonton. Um, and I opened up that box of cards and I remember pulling two Gretzky rookies out of that wow. box. And I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. So to this day, I remember helping dad out him buying the box, opening the box and pulling those cards. See, that's what makes this hobby so amazing and special. Now, after that in junior high and high school, did you continue to collect or did you kind of take a, a little bit of a break? No, I was one of those, I was, <laughs> I'll say one of those weird guys um, that continued doing what it did. You know, I, I collected all my life. Yeah, you know what, girls and cars started to come into effect. I wanted my first car at the age of 16. Uh, you know, girls are out there, you're in high school, but I still kept my collecting going. It was something that I really enjoyed. And I kind of did it, obviously, back in those days, you kind of do it back in the dark darkness of your house it wasn't like you brag to all your friends hey check it out i'm collecting comics and cards um but i i continued to do it through uh, through my high school days so take me to like 1989 1990 you're sitting there where does the idea for opening a shop i know you opened in 91 i'm trying to guess that you thought about it beforehand but when did the idea first come out and and where were you and who were you talking to well i kind of i kind of had that passion for business um early on i remember you know, even as a kid, I would steal my parents' Monopoly money out of their game, and I used to get in crap all the time because they'd come looking for it, and I'd always have it in my room. Uh, but I'd always steal that money, and I'd almost play a game with my brothers and sisters where they had to come into my room and buy stuff and pay me in Monopoly money. So I kind of always had that flavor for business as a kid. Um, but I remember back in the late 80s, um, buying a larger collection, and it sounds silly to say a larger collection because it really wasn't that type of thing back in the you know kind of mid late 80s. Um, but around 86, 87, there was a guy that had a bunch of cards at a garage sale. Uh, there was Patrick Wall rookies, and I remember buying that and then bringing it back and sorting them out. And I ended up getting like five or six Wall rookies, a bunch of Robitaille wow. rookies, you know, stuff like that in this collection. And I remember watching a guy set up at a flea market and he was kind of selling knickknacks. I thought this would be kind of cool. So I set up at a flea market mm -hmm. and guys were coming by my table, buying these Patrick Waugh cards for $5. Wow. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like this is kind of nuts. So I started actually setting up card shows around, I think it was 88, 89. I started setting up my own card shows. Uh, and I did, I can't remember how many I'm going to say about, uh, at least a dozen. I know we set up one of them in the Edmonton Inn. There was a bunch. I actually did set up one in West Edmonton Mall at one point. Um, but, you know, I set up a bunch of shows and then I thought, oh, I've got to do this. I've got to get into it in my own business. And I went to Nate and took business in Nate. Nice. Uh, and that kind of just pushed me right to the edge of uh, this is what I've got to do. So when you first opened your shop, what did you have in it? How large was it? Was it just, did you have all sports? Like when you started, like walk me through that. Cause back in 1991, baseball was uh, huge. You had the Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, 1989 card out uh, basketball, of course, with Jordan. Uh, so what kind of stuff did you have? We had a ton. Uh, I was very fortunate uh, through all those times where, you know, doing the shows, I would buy guys out of their collection. So people would be set up at a show and they either didn't do well or wanted to get out. So I was buying collections, uh, kind of gearing up toward this. I remember one of the big buys I made was a comic book collection. Uh, a guy had 50, and I'm going to get the number wrong, 58 or 68 boxes of comics, like long comic boxes. And I remember buying that collection, um, kind of getting me established with comics. And likewise, I was buying a bunch of card collections. So I went in with a very, very heavy inventory, which was... Uh, you know, very essential, I think, to any business, even nowadays, if you walk in blind to uh, to any business, and I'll even remove it from the card business, 
you better have significant amount of cash or a very large inventory to kind of get yourself started, propelled into uh, to the venture going. Because uh, people don't walk in, want to walk into a shell of a business saying, "Wow, there's nothing here." Speaking with Wayne Wagner, the owner of Wayne Sports Cards here in Edmonton. Now, over the years, what types of interactions have you had with athletes? Um, maybe even coming into the shop and, and collecting sports cards and talking to you about sports cards? Because I know you've had some. There's been a ton. You know, we've been very fortunate uh, with players coming into the shop. Uh, I've been very fortunate to do some signings in the shop. Um, you know, I've been able to help up our deck when they need signings done. So we've had some great experiences. Uh, you know, one of our first was uh, with Grant Fuhr, uh, where he, he came in the shop and uh, started talking to him. We had him in doing a signing. Uh, he would come in with his kids and buy cards. So that was one of the first. Um, we we did have Gordy Howe in the shop to do a private signing. We had Johnny Bauer in the shop to do a private signing. Uh, we've had, you know, I've done a signing with Connor McDavid. I've done one with Leon Dreisaitl. Uh, so there's been so many players and the end, a lot of them have been great. You know, they're very welcoming. Uh, you know, just recently I did a signing and it helped upper deck do a signing with Jack Campbell. Uh, and I don't think I've ever met a more genuine person in my life, um, than, than Jack Campbell. The guy's just amazing. So the stories are true. Uh, The stories are true about him. Hey, he just comes across as such a nice person. Hey. Oh, I, it was, it was, and I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but nauseatingly nice. Like he just, he's just truly an amazing person. Uh, and I had a blast, you know, he invited me to his house to do the signing rather than do it at the arena. Uh, so I went into his house, met his wife, met his dogs, uh, you know, and we just sat there, you know, shooting the breeze, um, as he's signing these cards and he was just truly that genuine person. So uh, it was a blast. And the other guy much like that, that I had to do a signing for was Shane Doan. Uh, okay. you know, another guy that just a truly genuine person, uh, that would give you the shirt off his back. Uh, and you know, and I got to hear some really good stories, not from him, but from friends. I had a couple of friends come over, uh, that he knew come in the shop and pick up some of his cards that they wanted to get signed. And, you know, I heard some stories from them and again, just a really, truly genuine person. That's so awesome. Now back in 2015, we saw the crazy release of Connor McDavid's cards. Um, this fall and spring, we're going to see another Connor and Connor Bedard. What do you see for the sports card business this fall and winter and spring? And do you think it will surpass McDavid numbers? So that's, I mean, a great question, Brad. It's it's going to be very interesting. So the hype has been built. You know, let's face it, the media and, and all of us as collectors are building that hype up. And there, there's going to be a lot of pressure put on this kid to perform. And, you know, we've seen what that pressure can do. You know, guys like Connor McDavid went over and above that pressure. You know, we all knew that Connor McDavid was coming in. We talked about what he's capable of doing. And I think he's exceeded those expectations by the performances that he's had on the ice. I mean, let's face it, years from now, we're going to look at some of these plays and some of these things he's done, and it's going to be down in history as, as some of the greatest plays in hockey. Um, Connor Bedard, is, it's going to be very interesting. He doesn't have the size coming into the league that some of these players have. I mean, let's, again, he's, I think he's 5'8", 5'9", 170 pounds. He's not a big guy. There's going to be a lot of pressure, and that Chicago team is not laden with talent. No. So there's going to be a lot of focus just on him to stop that team from doing anything, which doesn't help his situation. Yeah. But going back to your question, yeah, it's it's going to be very interesting. I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of hype on this. It's bringing a ton of people back. We've had calls up to a year and a half ago saying, "Can I pre-book Upper Deck Series One?" Wow. So. It, it's nuts. And obviously we can't pre-book it. We don't know price. We don't know release. We don't need you no know, cost. We don't know anything. So we're telling people, look, contact us a little further. But this is the type of hype that's being built behind Connor Bigdard um, where, you know, people are coming out of the woodwork to say, how do I get involved? How do I get a case? You know, when can I prepay you? I'll give you money now. How many are you getting? I'll take them all. It's, it's bizarre. Is it true that Upper Deck has said that he will be uh, a Series 2 release? Is there, is there truth to no, that? No, I don't. I, I don't know if it's it's written in stone yet. I don't know if they've put out the official press release saying that's what's happening. I think they set the precedence this year um, by basically showing people that it's just easier for them. 
you know, to put these guys in series two, you know, Shane, uh, Shane Wright, Slavkovsky, all these guys yeah. were in series two this year, not in series one. And I think that was just to kind of show that it, it's just a much easier process. And, and I don't know if, uh, if you've had anybody on for upper deck, Brad, um, but they, they would kind of walk you through that process. Uh, Cause I kind of know the process of what they have to go through to get these players on cards for the official release of the product in November. It's not an easy feat. So I think this alleviates a lot of pressure from them uh, to not have to jump through all these hoops to get these players on cards for Series 1. That all makes sense. My last question for you, Wayne, is do you have any tips and advice for parents out there that want to get their kids into collecting or have their kids into collecting and and want to further their experience with them? Absolutely. Uh, Do it for fun. I think that's the, the most important thing you can do uh, so many times we have people come in the shop and it's like, what can I buy that'll make me the most money? And I think that's the wrong way to approach this type of industry. We all want to see monetary value at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. If you're spending your hard-earned money, I don't care if it's $5, $10, $1,000, $50,000. $50, we all want to see some return at the end of the day for what we're spending. Uh, but I think if you approach it as an enjoyable thing, something you can do either as a father, son, father, daughter, mother, son, mother, daughter, whatever it is. As a family, you're going to enjoy what you're doing, create those memories, create that fun, create that experience. And then you can start looking at it and saying, hey, look, I bought this card back in the day. I paid $10 for it. It's now worth 100 And start realizing that monetary you know, value behind what you've invested. But I think it's so crucial to just have fun, enjoy it, and I think everything else will follow suit after that. Wayne, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. We're going to have to do this again. And for people that want to check out Wayne Sports Cards, you can check out waynesportscards.com. And if you have Facebook, go on Facebook, check out Wayne Sports Cards and Collectibles. Add them, like them, and they keep you updated on all the releases of all the new products. I know Ice just came out, even Pokemon and, and other products, UFC, WWE. You guys cover it all. So, Wayne, thank you so much for coming on the show today, and all the best, man. Hey, appreciate you having me on the show, Brad. It was a lot of fun. You're listening to Mint Condition. Now, I couldn't do this episode today without bringing something up. Things are always time-sensitive, so this episode's going to come out the day after this happened. But this morning, the company known uh, as Bell decided to cancel and close down TSN 1260, the sports radio station here in Edmonton. Now, as you know, some of you might know, that's where I got my, uh, planted my roots, you could say. Uh, I started doing my practicum there in 2006. And uh, I wasn't really doing much. I was sitting in a closet upstairs, basically, and I was looking at contact lists um, from a couple shows on the station. Um, Jason Greger had a show at night uh, on the station, and I just really wasn't doing much there. And then uh, a bunch of my friends from Nate, the college here in town, went out. And I didn't go out. I went home. And that night, it was a Friday night. And it was in October of 06. And I got an email from Corey Massey, who at the time was the public relations, media relations for the Washington Capitals. And he emailed back after a week of me emailing and said, Brad, you can have Alexander Ovechkin tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. at the Sutton Hotel in Edmonton for a one-on-one interview. You will be the only person in Edmonton that gets Alex. Uh, Not even Hockey Night in Canada had the opportunity to talk to Alex, his first visit to Edmonton. So that was about 9.30 at night, and I... Instantly called Jason Greger, who was not very impressed with me calling uh, at the start of the phone call. But as soon as I had told him that he was interviewing Alexander Ovechkin tomorrow morning, uh, there was a silence on the phone for a few seconds. And um, Jason went and did the interview. And Ovechkin drank three cans of Coke during the interview. And um, that kind of started me producing sports radio. So from there... Um, the morning show producer at the time, Super G, he moved on to different things and they offered me the morning show uh, producer job. So that's what I did at the 
at Team 1260 here in Edmonton from, uh, I believe it was just after Labor Day 2006 until January 29th, 2010. I produced, co-hosted the morning show with Bryn Griffiths, Jake Daniels, and then later on, Dustin Nielsen, who uh, is the host of the AM Nasty show, as you just heard him on my last episode. And I know Dusty is brilliant and smart, just like everyone else in that building, and they all will land on their feet and flourish. And they won't let this stop them because uh, there's so many talented people in that building that live, breathe, love sports, love bringing it to the, the listeners. And then just, I'll say it, bullshit like this happens. And a bunch of people lose their jobs. And now the city of Edmonton has no sports radio station. And yeah, it just sucks. So that's my piece. I'm not happy about it. But uh, I wish nothing but the best for everyone in that building. And I know they all will land on their feet. But still, again, just a brutal, brutal day. And it just shows you that radio business is its ruthless. One minute you're, you're doing the morning show, and the next minute you're, you're not even a station anymore. So no more sad talk. We'll get back to the cards. But I had to say that just because uh, 1260 was a huge part of my life, and sports radio is, and just just sucks. So, yeah, that's my two cents on that. We're going to turn that frown upside down. And I was wrong. Since we last spoke, the Oilers were eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights, who went on to win the Stanley Cup. So for two consecutive years, the Oilers lose to the eventual Stanley Cup champion. So I will admit it, I was wrong. I thought this was their year. Man, I <sighs> thought I wasn't going to leave on a bad note. Anyways, I will be back next week with another episode, Mint Condition. I want to thank my guest today, Ken Reed from Sportsnet, Wayne Wagner, owner of Wayne's Sports Cards here in Edmonton. And I want to thank you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for checking me out. Thanks for sending me emails, posts. I, I see the love. And you know what? It makes me feel good and it makes me continue to do this because I love sports cards and I love talking to all of you. So you have yourselves a great week. Stay safe. Take care, everybody. Happy sipping. Happy ripping.